When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on right now. You throw down $5 on any or any NFL game, and guess what? If you win that, you get $100 in free plays. Code word PHNX, DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right. Got a lot. I got, got a ton of 15 comments already in here that we're going to get to as quickly as we can. But joined by John Brogan, who nice enough to fill in for uh, uh, Brad Alice. You might know John from his time at the radio with myself. So glad to have you on, my man. Yeah, excited. Arizona wins 80 to 62. And let's be honest. I mean, honestly, this was a game that I didn't really see Arizona blowing blowing Michigan away. You could tell by the point spread that this was going to be a, a game that Michigan, or excuse me, that Vegas thought that Arizona could win. But I didn't see this coming because this was just sheer domination there, John. Yeah, I I felt pretty good going into the game that Arizona could easily pretty easily win. I don't think anybody would have predicted an 18-point victory where Arizona kind of dominates from start to finish, you know, outside of the, maybe the first minute and a half of the game. But I think as you started to watch the game and as Arizona found its rhythm early in the first half, it was pretty glaring how much more athletic Arizona was than Michigan. Speed up and down the court. Just athleticism, some of those, you know, the lobs to Matherin, some of Terry's rebounds, Coloco in the paint. It, it's it been a long time since Arizona was vastly superior from an athleticism standpoint. We got to go back like five, four, five, six years. Um, uh, amazing game. Like I'm still running kind of hot right now because of, right. because of how the game went. Okay, so let's start this. And It seems that each each game we're talking about Christian Coloco in another form. And uh, Sean Seeley, Prince of the East Side, put out here, Coloco is an absolute beast in the paint. And that's an understatement from my guy right here. This is a guy going in that you heard Tommy Lloyd talk about, okay, you know, he's going to be a guy that could challenge for all conference, that he could be the uh, conference defensive player of the year. All that sounded cool. If anything, he undersold this man because against Michigan, a team that's one of the top five teams in the country, Brogan, he was clearly the best player on the court, and it wasn't even close. Or the most impactful, I'll put it to you like that. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of things to talk about when it comes to Christian Coloco, but I think there's one play in the game today that kind of sums up Coloco's development for me. And there was a play, middle of the second half, Arizona's up 15, and so you're wondering, okay, is this going to be like Wichita State? Is Arizona going to have four minutes of just kind of wild turnover, you know, basketball, don't make any shots, and, and Michigan claws their way back into the game. Matherin gets the ball, enters into the post in Coloco. He takes two dribbles into Dickinson. Two guys come down to right. dig into Coloco. He's able to not only grab the ball, but deliver a pass back out to Matherin, who hits a three. Arizona goes up 18. 
Last year or the year before, that's 100% a turnover every single time Coloco touches it. So just a simple fact that he had a full offseason to practice with college coaches, college strength and conditioning, as opposed to being you know at some high school gym in California, every aspect of his game has improved, his touch, his shooting, his ability to handle the ball, his ability to catch. And then I think you combine that with Lloyd's system, you know, we've talked about this a million times. Miller's system is pack line defense, big guys wall up. They don't really try to block shots. But Coloco is attacking every shot inside 10 feet. And it's just changed the the Arizona's defense in general. But Coloco, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's pretty much a lock to be first team all pack 12 if he just keeps this pace for the rest of the season. All right, so let's get to a bunch of these comments here. KB Thiel and Sean Seeley both put the same question out there that uh, how high are we going to be ranked? And you know what? The people here that listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast are smart people because Brogan and I were talking about It ain't going to be high enough, that's for sure. I think that this is a team that if you look at it, this should be a top 15 team. But you made a good point too where you said that Generally, that's not how these things work. Explain what you meant by that. Yeah, so when a team's unranked, I almost feel like rarely do the the you know the voters want to admit they were so drastically wrong with certain teams that they don't just ramp them up into the top 10, top 15. Right. I think if you combine that with Michigan's loss to Seton Hall, it dilutes this win just a little bit. And so I think you're going to see Arizona around 20. They're, they're too good to be you know creeping in at 25. They're showing up as like the third or fourth team that, uh, you know, also votes or whatever. But, you know, if you look at a team like St. Bonaventure, 22nd mm-hmm. coming into the game today, they smack Marquette by 20. Look impressive doing it. Do you see Arizona jumping them? The pollers already like St. Bonaventure. So I think it's going to be 20. I don't think it's high enough. I think, to your point, Arizona should be somewhere around 15 the way they're playing right now. Um, but – we're in the top 25 no matter what. We should have been in the start of the season. We talked about how this team looked like a top 25 team through the red, blue, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like somewhere around 20 for Arizona. Okay, bear down, bear down Ray, one of the uh, OGs of the scene here. He said, now if Michigan gets their ish together, they're going to be really good for our RPI. And honestly, guys, I don't worry about that at all. Michigan is going to be a good team. Yes, they lost to Seton Hall. I think you might also find out that Arizona was a bad matchup for them um, because of just the length and the athleticism. Because And uh, our guy Jason Shear was there, and he was messaging us in group during the game, and he was saying that, you know, is, the, is it as stark on TV as it is here, you know, just how much quicker Arizona is? And you beat me to the punch. You said, yeah, man, they're just running circles around it. So Michigan's a good team. I just think Arizona's also a really bad matchup for them. Yeah, when you look at Michigan, they're starting point guards to transfer. Um, They got the two five-star freshmen who can both play. And so they're a team that I think is going to be far, far better come Big Ten tournament time heading in the NCAA tournament than they were today. I think they still got a lot of things to figure out, Um, which is good for Arizona, though. You need Michigan to be one of the top two teams in the Big Ten with Purdue, and then that all of a sudden that that you know makes this win as valuable as it should be, being that Michigan is ranked number four in the country. What you don't want to see is Michigan finish fifth or sixth in the Big Ten because they're just not that good, and then this win ends up being you know just kind of an average win at the end of the season. It's funny, my good buddy uh, Rudy Bastios was uh, messaging me during the first game when I was super excited about uh, the Wichita State early on, and he's like, "Man, he's like." 
listen, he's like, these turnovers are going to come back to bite you. It's cool that we're up the, that Arizona's ahead. And, but if you turn the ball over, they're going to come back and they could win this. This was the game where at the half, I believe Arizona had three turnovers. And I think this is what Rudy was talking about that, you know what, if you don't turn the ball over with the kind of impact that you have out here, this is a team that can cause some real problems. And you saw a much crisper brand of basketball, Brogan, which turned into a far more dominant performance. Yeah, if you look at the Wichita State game, Arizona, I think, was two for 17 from three, had 24 turnovers, I think missed nine free throws, most of them down the stretch. That game could have easily been an 18-point victory if Arizona was just a little tighter and a little cleaner. And that's what you saw tonight. A few more threes fell, far less turnovers. They made their free throws. And then this is what you get. You get Arizona being the the more superior athletic team running up and down the court, and you get a 20-point blowout. Um, and there was never a point in the game where you're like, man, I think Michigan's about to get back into it. They're going to make some plays. Yeah, Arizona had two, three-minute stretches where it's like, okay, here we go. Turnovers, bad shots, whatever. But their defense was start to finish, giving Michigan problems. Dickinson never got comfortable. Michigan doesn't shoot it well enough to to, to make Arizona change anything on defense, and, and this is what you get. And so the Wichita State game is going to be a, a, something that they'll kind of refer back to throughout the season, which is, hey, if we're a little more patient on offense and get better shots, the threes will fall. If we take care of the basketball, our offensive rebounding is, is crazy, and so we're going to score a ton of points just off fast breaks and offensive rebounding where half court won't really matter that much. Um, and this is what you're going to see. You know, UCLA is a better team. They've got experience. They don't have much weakness. But after that, it's right. even hard for me. At the beginning of the season, we all thought Oregon was clearly second. Arizona USC was duking it out for third. I think now you can make the case that Arizona is pretty clearly the second best team in the pack today. Maybe that right. changes by the end of the season. Oregon, you know, they gel a little bit and things like that. But right now, other than UCLA, Arizona looks to be the second-best team in the pack. And Scott Schlittenhardt said they fixed everything from Friday. This was a complete game. Yeah, I mean, talk about an understatement from our guy right there. I mean, everything that you really needed right there, Arizona was able to it was able to take care of. I think what's also interesting, though, about this is that Arizona can play with about anybody here. And here's what I mean by that. You've got a team – Arizona can go big all day if you want. Um, you can throw – I mean, we were talking about it during the uh, during halftime about how you had uh, Umar Ballo and uh, Christian Coloco out there at the same time. Now, again, I don't think that you're probably going to see that much, nor should you. But you can go big. You can go small. But the great thing about when you go small, Brogan, is that, okay, our small – our Arizona small is still 6'6", 6'7", 7'6", 6'1". They can basically match up with about any team they need. Yeah, and if you look at all the players Arizona plays, you know Kerr. They list them at six three. It's probably more like six one, six two. Kyer, right. same boat, six two, six three. Everybody else is six six or above. Larson, mm-hmm. six six. Even though he looks like he's six eight out there, it's cr- I, I, right. when I look at him, I keep thinking he's Tubelis when he subs in the game. I'm like, oh crap, that's number three. That's Larson because he just looks tall. Aiken, six eight. Dalen, six eight. Matherin six 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 seven. So everybody they play is six six or bigger. They're all long. They're all athletic. And so Arizona doesn't really go small. To your point, when they go small, they're still six 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 seven and six ten, which is like the average starting college basketball lineup when Arizona right. goes small. They just they have NBA size. 
Their starting lineup is an NBA starting lineup. It's 6-3, And it's, it's going to be a tough problem for everybody else to match up with, especially when you've got Coloco anchoring the defense because shots are hard to come by inside 10 feet against Arizona. Right. You know what also isn't hard to come by? That's the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Throw in code word PHNX for new customers. You throw down $5 on an NFL game, and guess what? If either team scores, which they will, you get $100 in free plays. It's really that simple. By the way, Brogan, you're a better. Did you have any? Uh, did you make any money today off your DraftKings Sportsbook? Uh, um, well, I was down a lot because the NFL was rough on me today, but I had a good chunk of money on Arizona Moneyline, so I'm right. up a little bit. Okay. All good, though. And that's where you go. DraftKings Sportsbook app. Here's the deal. It's 21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 wager required. Or a minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the details. They got you covered. All right. Now, the great thing about this is that we have so many interactions. We got over 50 comments already here from people. And, uh, Appreciate you all. So let's uh, let's get to a point that I think Luis Molina made that I that caught my attention earlier. Kids are going to want to play in this system, and I think a lot of people, especially on the heels of Sean Miller, you're one you know who recruited at a at an, an astounding level, and people are saying, well, why isn't Tommy Lloyd recruiting like that? Well, to me, you've got you, there's some obvious reasons why you can't, but this is going to be an easy games like this, Brogan are why I'm, you and I have never really been worried about Tommy Lloyd recruiting because I don't have to tell you anything. I can literally just put in this film for you. You can watch this game and see how we play. That, to me, is going to be the recruiting pitch for Tommy Lloyd right there. Yeah, there were two things that were going to need to happen for Lloyd to be able to get his recruiting to a place that's got Arizona you know, back to kind of that top five, top ten national team. And that was the first thing was get some film – that shows people like this is a style you're going to want to play it. I can tell you it's going to be like Gonzaga, but until you see it, it's going to be hard to believe. Now you've seen it. It's just like Gonzaga, but like the more athletic version of Gonzaga, which is scary. Right. Um, the second thing is you still got the, IR, the IRP out there. And, uh-huh. and Lloyd's not going to be able to go full speed ahead recruiting from – until that's resolved and the postseason ban is just this one year thing that they've already taken on and there's nothing in the future that says, hey, I can't play in the in, in, in the tourney um, if I come to Arizona. So check for one of those because the style, again, it's going to be one of the easiest styles to recruit to because you get up and down just like you do in AAU basketball. They press, they play a little zone, they throw a whole bunch of lobs, they shoot a bunch of threes, they shoot pull-up threes on fast breaks. So I mean, we haven't been worried about Lloyd's recruiting ever, but he's been fighting a little bit of an uphill battle. This is a massive step is one, getting a a signature win, but two, having a style that does it where you're like, "Mm, okay, that's pretty easy for me to see myself playing. And if I'm a, you know, a five-star recruit, for instance. Oh, it's super easy. Now, a lot of people are uh, mentioning, and oh, by the way, KB Thiel, great point right there. AZ money line sounds like backing the A to me. I also hit that. We're a big fan of the term back in the A here on the AZ Wildcats podcast. So you know what? Anytime you can back the A, make sure you can back the A. All right. Now, get to a couple other points here. A lot of people asking about Pella Larson. Now, I, I don't. I think it's very important that you don't overreact to Pella Larson because keep in mind, this is a guy that was out for 
two months with a bro- with a broken foot. Now you just don't come back and look sharp from that. I think he'll be fine. The one thing I will say though is that no matter when he does get fine, this is your starting lineup right now. This will be your starting lineup where you got Kerr, you got Ben Matherin, you got Dalen Terry, you've got Christian Coloco, and you got Azulis Tabellas. I am not t- I'm not tinkering with that lineup at all, no matter how good Pella Larson gets. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? Is the question for Arizona's starting five before the season started was are they gonna be good enough defensively with Tubelas at the four, Coloco at the five. Coloco's pretty much proven that he can guard wings on the perimeter, switching and screen and rolls, hedging screen and rolls, things like that. And he's the elite rim protector. And so Larson getting hurt almost made Lloyd's life easy because he could run out the obvious starting five that he had, right? The, the question was Terry or Larson. He, it made it easy for Terry. But then you see how the first five games have went, and there's no way you can take Terry out of the lineup. He right. does way too many things. I mean, you see him jumping over the top of everybody on the court to get rebounds. He's a point guard with the ball in his hands. I mean, he even hit a three today, which is just all bonus money. But there's no way you can change this lineup. The thing I'll say about Larson, he missed a month and a half of practice with a foot injury. But defensively, he doesn't hurt Arizona. In fact, he helps Arizona because he can switch on to power forwards. He can guard guards. Defensively, you're fine with him. His offense, I'm assuming, will eventually catch up. He's an elite three-point shooter. He's pretty good with the ball. So Larson, he's kind of the perfect guy to come off the bench who can get you a few buckets, play good defense, and just keep this thing humming. Yeah. Let's talk Ben Matherin now. I think a lot of people were wondering, you know, our guy, uh, our guy Jason Shear, Cody Martin were, <laughs> you know, weren't exactly huge on Ben Matherin. I'll put it to you like this. But you and I were, you know, and I again, I'm wrong on all kinds of stuff. So is Brogan. We did we didn't see Christian Coloco making this jump at all. We thought, <laughs> I mean, even close. So this isn't an I told you so moment at all. But it's about to be. Um, but Ben Matherin is an NBA player. What you saw yeah. out there today against Michigan was a guy who was clearly physically more gifted than the other players on Michigan from the fact that he can get to the hoop, how strong and athletic he is. This is a guy that at bare minimum is a 3 and D player at the next level. This is a guy that will play in the end. Whenever he does declare, he will play in the NBA for a long time, Brogan. Yeah, and today was big for him because you've got Caleb Ustan at Michigan who, you know, top 10 recruit in the country – like borderline lottery pick in next year's draft. There was like 30 or 40 NBA scouts and execs in the gym tonight. Granted, it was Vegas, but they came to see Matherin versus Ustan. And Matherin was light years ahead of where Ustan's at at this point. Um, and so I think this is Matherin's kind of signature game for him where he can say, look, against another big time NBA prospect, I was clearly the better player. And he did it all kinds of ways, offensively, defensively, hit threes, attack the bucket. Um, and so it's his most complete game against the best competition he's had. And the question about Matherin is going to be not if he leaves, but when he leaves. And it's most likely going to be at the end of this season. If this, yeah. if this kind of trajectory keeps up. My tweet about the difference between Arizona and ASU uh, yesterday got a lot of uh, action on there. I think the tweet has aged well so far. I wanted to put down bear down or put down, put up bear down Ray. He said, my son started roasting a teacher at his school for wearing scummy gear. Ooh, that shirt is gross. I don't like it. So damn proud. There you go. <laughs> I've met Ray in person multiple times, and you know what? Ray's a guy that is a leader of men and has great character, and that certainly shows that. Now, let's talk some more now about just kind of the individual aspects. And here, and Andre Veris makes a point that I was going to get to, 
But you know what? Let's hop on there right now. Andre Veris said that he was expecting, and I'm looking for the comment here, um, he was expecting a little bit more out of Kim Aiken. Here's my take on Kim Aiken, and this is a good thing, is that it's not necessarily that Kim Aiken isn't playing well and that Kim Aiken can't do, you know, can't contribute in a big way out there. It's that the guys in front of Kim Aiken are just better. And that's not a bad thing. You're, I mean, who are you really going to take out to put in Kim Aiken? Because you've got Azulis Tabellas isn't coming out. Ben Matherin's not coming out. Dalen Terry's not coming out. Coloco's not coming out. So to me, it's more of a pro the rest of the roster than an anti-Kim Aiken type thing, Brogan. Yeah, and when you look at Arizona's bench, you know, Ballo has a clear role. Backup center, 12, 14 minutes a game, all good. Kyer, clear role, backup point guard. He's the opposite of Kerr, a little more athletic, a little more of your traditional point guard, a little better defensively, things like that. But Aiken just happens to be a victim of circumstance where Arizona's three best players are Matherin, Terry, four best, to, to Bellis Coloco. But three of those guys play the same position he does, which is that 3-4. And so if Aiken's not playing – that might be the best thing for Arizona. If he's got to play 15 to 17 minutes, that means either Mather and Terry or Tubelis isn't kind of living up to what Arizona needs them to be an elite team. So I look at it as the exact opposite. I don't expect more out of him. When he's not playing, that's the best sign to me for Arizona basketball because that means those other three guys are just killing it, and it, it, there's just not many minutes for him at that point. All right, Bob says, is Ballo more advanced than we thought he would be at this point? And to put it mildly, Bob, you're a yes <laughs> When I when I first saw Ballo, when I saw him come in, I thought that this would be, I thought that this would kind of be just another. I use the term roster filler. He'll be out there for a few minutes, and you know he's a big body. Ballo can play. Now he's not going to overtake Coloco, but if Coloco, and this feels so weird to say, but if Coloco is off to the NBA after this season, and you're going in next season with Umar Ballo as your starting center. I'm more than okay with that from what I've seen so far. Yeah, we same thing. I mean, we could just basically chalk up Arizona centers to us not having any idea what we're talking about. Right. We thought Coloco, the Coloco hype was going to be way overrated like it's been every year, and we thought Ballo was just going to be kind of, eh, he might play a little bit. But he's not bad. He can score in the paint. He's big. He's physical. We were talking about this earlier. You know, he's guarding Hunter Dickinson, who's one of the best bigs in the country, and, and Dickinson can't move him. And Correct. Dickinson can't really do much against him, so he's going to have a role in this team. There's going to be times where he's going to have to play a lot because Coloco could be in foul trouble and things like that, but you're totally fine with it. Um, he's good on the block with the ball. He's he's good defensively. He's physical. Again, another shot blocker like Coloco. So I've been pleasantly surprised with Ballo, and I, I don't expect him to play anything less than he's playing now, that kind of 12 to 15 minutes a game. And I think you'll see that in every game this year. All right. The great thing here at the AZ Wildcats podcast is that well, we get uh, we get insiders, we get people that know what they're talking about, like our guy John Brogan. The fact that we just had him waiting in the bullpen comes in knows more than me, knows more than a lot of people out there. It's very very fortunate. Jim Rosborough is coming on tomorrow, ex U of A coach, to be able to talk about uh, what he's seen out there. But again, everybody, hop on there, go PHNX, uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast AZ Wildcats. All right. Now, let's get back to uh, Sean Seeley makes an interesting point here that Arizona, do we have a leader or a go-to guy in the clutch yet? And I think against Wichita State, we saw at least who Tommy Lloyd believes that is, and he believes that that go-to guy down the stretch is Azulis Tabellis. 
because when the game was close, every single time down the court for three or four times, the ball was going to Tabellis. So that to me is the example of the basically the best way that you can put it that if a game's close, who are you going to? This game wasn't close, but I could also see that being the case where you go with Tabellis. But you got other options though, too, Brogan. On a given day, it could be Coloco, it could be Matherin. Kirk Creasa shows that he's more than comfortable shooting and taking big shots. So there's a lot of different avenues that uh, Lloyd can take. But so far to me, I think Tabellis is the guy that they at least looked and showed early on. Yeah, and it's funny because when I look at this team, I think there's two kind of glaring, I don't want to say weaknesses, but two glaring questions I have that will determine kind of how deep they go in the tournament. The first one is shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Kerr obviously can shoot it. Matherin's a pretty good shooter. Everybody else is question marks at this point. So can they shoot it through, you know, the first couple of games transition offensive rebounds have made up for any lack of shooting they've had. The second thing is exactly what Sean Seeley asked is who is their leader? Who's their go-to guy? I think it's going to be matchup specific. I think it was to Bellis against Wichita state because they were so small. And anytime you can't match his size, he's going to dominate you in the paint. Um, I think if you play a bigger team that can maybe neutralize Tabellis, I think it's going to be Matherin at that point. I think Kerr's definitely not afraid to hit a big three if we need one. But I don't think we know who the guy is yet. I think it's matchup specific. And I do think that's something they're going to need to find by the end of the season is like, look, if it's 65-65 and there's 12 seconds to go in the game and we're inbounding the ball, who's going to have the ball in their hands? I kind of think it's going to be Matherin right now. If Lloyd, you know, gunned to his head, he had to choose. But – I could see Terry as a playmaker. I, I could see Kerr as an offensive threat. I could see Matherin. I could see Tabella. So I think that's still a, a big question mark for Arizona they're going to have to figure out. All right. Austin Knowles makes an interesting point here that uh, I didn't have in my notes, but I think it's a great point, and that's why we like so much of the listener interaction. Sha- who gets more credit, Sean Miller because of the pieces he left or Tommy? Now, to me, this is kind of a two-part question. First, you got to give you got to give Sean Miller kudos for sure because generally when a coach takes over he doesn't inherit this kind of talent. There's I mean look when Sean Miller took over after the KO penalty thing. But I've also got to give a ton of kudos though to Tommy Lloyd because I think that this team will reach a higher apex under Lloyd because of the style he's put out there, the kind of the imposing of their will than maybe Sean Miller would have broken. Yeah, and and Sean Miller's going to get a bum rep at a bum rap at Arizona for a lot of different reasons. But when he took over the team, it was one of the worst teams Arizona's had in a long time. He got a little stroke of luck with the Tim Floyd deal and him getting some of those USC recruits, Solomon Hill, Derek Williams, or whatever. Tommy Lloyd walked into the exact opposite situation where he was handed a top 25 team. But to your point, his style, this team was oddly enough, built for that style. Kirk Creasa isn't the same player in Sean Miller's system. Dale right. Terry, not the same player in Sean Miller's system. Christian Coloco, not the same player. Mather and Tubelis, I think those guys are fine in any system. But, you know, Lloyd definitely stepped into a job with a ton of talent. Um, but you can't just dismiss the fact that his system has unlocked a lot of things with these guys. Yeah, and you see, and the commentators keep talking about it, and I thought this was a great point, too. And by the way, the color commentator, at Rob, Robbie Hummel, he's yeah. fantastic. Awesome. And I, yeah, I think you mess. I think you messaged that during the game as well. No, he's he's really good. So more Robbie Hummel, please. Um, but uh, as, far as, as far as this team, though, I mean, Tommy Lloyd has just been perfect. And I thought Hummel made an interesting point when he was interviewing uh, uh, Tommy Lloyd. And Tommy Lloyd said, you know, 
there hasn't been as much of a transition as maybe I would have thought because and he, he and he wasn't saying this in a uh, uh, a spiking the football type way. He said uh, Coach Few gave me a ton of power, a ton of input as far as recruiting, putting the offense together. So while maybe Tommy Lloyd obviously wasn't the head coach, he was still a guy that was entrusted with almost head coaching type responsibilities, Brogan. Yeah, you can go back and watch Gonzaga games over the last two or three years, and you'll see Tommy Lloyd standing on the sidelines, barking out instructions, calling plays, calling inbounds plays, calling defenses, more than Mark Few. Right. Like Obviously, Mark Few is the guy at Gonzaga, and the system starts with him. But Lloyd had so much kind of leeway there to run a program and, and get as much experience as he possibly could. Um, it was funny because I had one of my buddies text me, you know, Larson shoots that three with about three and a half minutes to go, four minutes to go, whatever it was. And Lloyd just absolutely lit him up when he, he called timeout coming off the sideline. Oh, he was cussing him out. And one of my buddies texted me. He's like, you know, it was kind of good to see Lloyd getting, you know, Larson's ass for shooting, you know, for shooting that kind of right. bad time three. Because Lloyd does look kind of like Mr. Nice Guy on the sideline. So you wonder if he's kind of got that fire in him. Oh, he showed it tonight. Kind of kids accountable, but yeah, it, it was good to see that side of him because we haven't really had to see that yet. Kind of that fiery, I want to win at all cost, you know, kind of thing. So that was something good that stuck out to me. That stood out to me tonight too. Okay, so um, by the by the way, you said the uh, uh, where where was it here? Uh, uh, Boog just says Robbie Hummel just finished his eligibility at Purdue. <laughs> it did feel like he was at Purdue for. Ever, I'll right say nine that. years. Yeah, right, like nine years for sure. All right, uh, the future president of the United States, Matthew Rain, who um, I actually used to live with in college, made say a point. He says the only concern I have coming out of the weekend is the three-point shooting. Um, Brogan, we just talked about that. Five for twenty-seven against Wichita State. Four of twenty-one tonight. Uh, have to be better there, but what a game! And yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be a that's going to be something they're going to have to work on all season. And I don't know that that's ever going to be a strength of the team, mainly because you you and I have followed a lot of these guys over the years. Dalen Terry's, as and there's no bigger fan of Dalen Terry than me, but Dalen Terry's never going to be a, at least this year, a good three point shooter. That's just not in the cards. Tabella's kind of the same thing. Um, Matherin, like he's, Matherin's fine, Kerr's fine, but after that, you got a lot of question marks. Um, so. But I think that you can mitigate some of that by getting out and running in the way they have and being able to kind of impose your will. Yeah, and you know, it's weird because coming into every Sean Miller season, we're like, man, I wonder if this team can shoot threes. They don't really have any shooters, you know, this, that, and the other. But then you look at the end of the season, the team shoots 38% from three, and they make a bunch of threes every game. This mm -hmm. team coming into the season, we're like, well, Kirk can shoot, Matherin can shoot, Larson can shoot, Tubelis can make a three. Turns out, can't really shoot. So it's right. weird how it kind of flips. Right. But – it's going to be an issue in a game or two, and it might cost them a win or two down the stretch. It almost cost them against Wichita State. But I think they more than make up it with their defense, getting out in transition, and how many easy buckets they're able to get with offensive rebounding to where they don't have to be the best three-point shooting team. They just got to do like tonight where the game gets a little funky and they go two, three minutes out without any sort of kind of easy buckets or things like that. Matherin hits those two threes and kind of pushes, keeps the lead to 15 to 18 or whatever. As long as they can make timely threes, I don't think they've got to make 10 or 15 a game. They just got to make some that matter, you know, in those big situations. And I think they'll be fine. 
All right. One thing that you do want to do, though, you want to hop on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. John Brogan, our guy right here, made some money betting on Arizona Moneyline. And you know what? I think Vegas, I think Vegas figured out or the folks at DraftKings figured out that Arizona is really good after the Wichita State game because the fact that that line closed at three and a half shows me, and you're playing a top five team, shows me that people are starting to figure out where Arizona is in the grand scheme of things. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place that you're going to want to hop on onto the app to get any bets that you can on Arizona. Make sure that it happens. All right, now the one thing about it, great deal going on. Throw down $5 on an NFL game for new customers, and guess what? You get $100 in free plays if either team scores. So you'll probably get $100 in free plays because one of those teams is probably going to score. All right, so now let's get back to some of the, more of these questions here. And let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, great question here. They're kind of a back and forth between KB Thiel, Jose Roman about uh, the elite. What is the ceiling for this team? It's an interesting question. I don't think we know the ceiling. Um, this is certainly at worst the ceiling is certainly a second weekend team or a second week team, but I don't, I, I I don't know that I don't know teams out there that are clearly better. Now I disagree with some of the people out there. I think that UCLA is better than Arizona mainly because they're battle tested. They got four killers on the court at any time. Um, but if you were to tell me that Arizona was going to play UCLA in the NCAA tournament, Arizona's a live dog in that game. So I don't know that there's any team that they can't beat. I'll put it to you like that. And that's when you're talking about the ceiling. That's where I think it's important, Brogan. Yeah, I mean, I think Gonzaga, UCLA are the two best teams in the country, and I think there's a pretty good gap between them and everybody else. Then you start to get into all the other teams that exist, the Michigans, the Purdue's, the Kentuckys, Kansas, Villanova, teams like that. Most of those teams that I've watched – you know, I thought Villanova was a team that's like, okay, maybe they're the third best team. They look pretty good. They they had UCLA on the ropes and kind of blew that game late, but then they go lose to Purdue today. And so I kind of feel like, and again, I'm a homer, you know, and I'm a proud homer. There's but I kind of feel like that. it's right. I kind of feel like it's those two and everybody else. And I think Arizona has kind of proven they're part of that everybody else. And beating Michigan was a big key to that. Obviously, we're going to learn a lot more when they go to Tennessee. That's going to be another chance for them to show that, hey, we, you know, maybe we belong in the top 10 even. But I agree with you. Arizona can beat just about anybody. And so second weekend, I think, is pretty easy. And then once you get there, Oregon State, UCLA last year, a lot of these other teams, USC, the Pac-12 as a whole, kind of proved last year that once you get in the tournament, if you can get hot and with the amount of size and athleticism that Arizona has – I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to make a deep run this year. Right. And that, like we just talked about too, there's no team that Arizona is going to run into where they're physically clearly outmatched. It's not like Arizona. We talked about this with Oregon a little bit where, you know, if Oregon doesn't play, you know, Dante or some other guys, they got a bunch of six, seven dudes out there, which will get eaten alive against a team like Arizona. Arizona doesn't have that issue. Arizona, like we talked about, you can throw seven foot, six ten, six seven, six six across the line, and so they'll go into any team where you're like, oh gosh, we don't. The Arizona doesn't match up there. Now another game too that's going to be interesting, and Scott Schlidenhart and uh, uh, KB Thiel just put this out there, and the White Panda. He said, here are the teams that Arizona could theoretically go against and beat. 
you've already got Michigan on there, which is going to be a nice resume win. A lot of people right now are saying they're overrated. I think by the end of the year, Michigan's going to be a top three seed in the tournament. So you got Tennessee, then you got Illinois, USC, UCLA, Oregon. Arizona's going to have a lot of opportunities, Brogan, to really be able to push that strength of schedule. Yeah, and I think you're going to count Wichita State as a big win at the end of the season. They're most likely going to win their conference. They're probably going to be somewhere around that 20 to 30 range in terms of ranking because they're going to win a ton of games. But Arizona's definitely going to play enough teams that can go deep in the tournament to have a good sense of the tournament when it comes. I think what was frustrating about Arizona in the past, last three, four, five, six years, is we only got to see one or two non-conference games and they were usually in a tournament somewhere where it's like, okay, can we compete right. with some of these better teams? Now we get Illinois on the road, Tennessee on the road, Michigan neutral site, Wichita State neutral site. So going into the to the conference season, Arizona is going to have a really good understanding of where they're at. If somehow they come, you know, away undefeated in, in non conference play, they're able to win at Illinois and Tennessee. Then you're looking at a top ten team heading into conference play, which is going to be exciting. All right. Well, we always like to be able to make fun of uh, ASU a little bit here. And KB Thiel says, what about Arizona State? Arizona State is just not very good. I mean, you know, they're uh, this is uh, this, that that's a team that I would have, I would be very shocked if Arizona didn't handle ASU twice. I think Arizona State is Arizona is a terrible matchup for ASU across the board, to be honest with you. Just yeah, I mean, Arizona State's got some decent pieces. They're going to get better as the season goes on because they had to replace a lot of stuff. But there's, there's just not anywhere they're better than Arizona at. And that's a right. game that Arizona is going to be ramped all the way up for. It's not like they're going to go to Oregon State, to Washington State right. on a late Thursday night game or a Saturday turnaround where they might get caught off guard. Arizona State will be a game where they're amped up all the way, and they're just better at pretty much every position. Right. And, you know, when Marcus Bagley is your best player, who's a good player, but you know what? He's going against Benedict Matherin, who is a better player. That kind of shows you right there what we're dealing with, what you're dealing with. All right, I got a couple of questions here before uh, before we sign off. Austin Knowles, by the way, Austin, uh, great job hopping on in here. Uh, some good contributions. He said, let's say they go undefeated at non-conference. Are they a top three team? Oh, I, I think it's hard. I mean, I don't know who's going to win out. But if you, go, if you go undefeated going into conference play and you've beaten Michigan on the road at Tennessee, Illinois, you're – I don't know if you're top three, but you're certainly going to be in that top five-ish range, which I think anybody would take going into the season, Brogan. Yeah, this this is a, a this is where polls kind of get it wrong. Is you know Arizona started the season at whatever thirty-five, let's say, so they've got a long ways to go. Whereas you take a Duke or a Kentucky or a Villanova who loses a game, they stay around ten. They keep winning now. They're always going to be ahead of Arizona, even though they're going to be 14 and one. Arizona is going to be 15 and 0, or whatever the numbers are. And so I think it would take something pretty ridiculous, like Gonzaga losing to, you know, UCLA, then Duke, then Alabama, for them to not be ahead of Arizona heading in. Even with a loss, I think they're ahead of Arizona. Same with UCLA. If they lose to Gonzaga but win the rest of their non conference games, they're ahead of Arizona. So I think it's five to 10 pretty easily. I don't think there's any way they crack the top five because there's too many of those teams. It's the right. same with college football. Right. If you're ranked high to begin the season, you lose a game, you probably are still going to be ranked pretty high. If you lose one, if you lose two or three, okay, Arizona will pass you. But they started out so low, it's going to be hard for them to sneak into the top two, three, four, five um, before conference play hits. All right, you're going to want to hop on the AG Wildcats podcast. podcast. You're going to want to subscribe. Hey, Brogan, if you can hit it, I'm actually here. Okay, you're good. Uh, the AZ Wildcats podcast, subscribe. 
Uh, we got all the good stuff going on. This Arizona team is going to be a beast all season. So this is absolutely the time that you want to be hopping on here. We got more John Brogan. Uh, we got more John Brogan coming on here as well. Uh, Jim Rosborough on tomorrow. And give go PHNX a look. They're doing all great stuff. All the teams in state. All right. Before we sign off here, basically this was for me. This was a uh, and this is a no duh remark, but this is a, this was a punctuation win for Tommy Lloyd here. Everybody in the nation knows now what happened, whether that's ESPN, whether that whatever entity that is. From here on, you're going to have to look at, and Arizona is nationally relevant again. And I think for the first time and probably since the DeAndre Ayton team, relevant at a level where you've got to basically look on the calendar and say, okay, who's Arizona playing? And Arizona fans are used to being in that position, but this was really the first game where the gauntlet came and was thrown down. And I don't want to say Arizona's back, but this is a team that's going to be in the top 25 all season, Brogan. Yeah, when you go back to the coaching search, right, there was a lot of chatter about at Arizona, we don't hire assistant coaches, and this guy's never coached a game before. He can only recruit internationally. So I think more than anything, this was a statement game for Tommy Lloyd for Tommy Lloyd. Right. Like first and foremost, but secondly, you know, it's been a few years since Arizona has been nationally relevant on a realistic level. And and this is going to definitely put them there. And, and you're right now, every national outlet, every national writer, they're all going to be looking for Arizona games and especially those big ones coming up with Illinois and Tennessee for sure. All right, everybody out there, we really appreciate you. We got we hit record numbers today. I'd like to say that that was merely because of John Brogan, but at the same time, it's also because Arizona beat <laughs> Michigan. But uh, we'll be back. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Brogan's going to be hopping back on here as well. Can't thank you guys enough for all of your contributions. That's what makes this thing go. Brogan, appreciate you hopping on, buddy, and love to get you back on here soon. Yeah, all I got to say is I picked a great time to hop into the season ticket pool because Arizona basketball is going to be ramping up quick. So Get your tickets right now and back. Can I get you to throw back the A out? Back the A. I backed the A with my pocket today, so I'm all about backing the A. <laughs> That's what you do. For John Broken, I'm Mike Luke. Thanks for listening to AZ Wildcats podcast.